Hi, I'm Jenny. I'm a mom and the founder and chief creative officer of Author Accelerator. I'm Melanie. I'm a mom and a writer, and I'm pitching my first novel. Hi, I'm Abby. I'm a mom and a writer pitching my first middle grades novel. Welcome to Mom Writes. This season is all about the ups and downs of pitching. Join us as we prepare to pitch, weather rejections, change course, and hopefully celebrate getting agented. Mom Writes, as always, is sponsored by Author Accelerator, a book coach certification company. If you're a writer and you've ever been jealous of the amazing coaching experience that Melanie and I have had over the course of the last two hundred and fifty podcast episodes, why not head over to AuthorAccelerator.com, where they'll match you with one of their certified book coaches based on your project and your goals. The matching service is free. Or if you've ever listened to one of our episodes and thought, man, Jenny's job is the dream. I want to help writers bring their books to life. Well, Author Accelerator also trains book coaches in their certification program. They have courses for coaching fiction and nonfiction and a course on the business of book coaching. You can sign up for their free all about book coaching video series at www.bookcoaches.com forward slash ABC. And now buckle up for this emotional roller coaster on season three of Mom Writes as we take on pitching. Hello, everybody. Today, we talk about all the things that could be happening on the agent's end when all you hear is crickets on your end. But I'm cringing uh, re-listening to the end of the episode because I gush about reading the original Dr. Doolittle book. I want to make it clear right here that I had only read the first four or five chapters that morning when we recorded this episode. And the first four or five chapters are lovely. But after that, parts of the book haven't aged very well. I didn't edit out where I talk about Dr. Doolittle because like so many classic books, there are parts that have aged well and parts that haven't. And sentiment of writing something that speaks to another human being a hundred years from now is lovely. I was just gutted when a book I was really enjoying took a racist bent and tainted my feelings towards it. It was definitely disappointing. Well, welcome back to Mom Writes, where, speaking of disappointment, spoiler alert, I haven't heard anything from the agent I queried. (laughs) I'm like barely awake, but I'm so excited to talk to you about all the things. There's nothing to talk about. Is the sad thing? <laughs> right, that's all the things. So has it been agonizing? You know what? It's not been too bad because so at first I thought I was going to be checking my email like every 10 seconds, like refresh, refresh, refresh. But then I'm like, okay, let's just think practically about this because I am by no means an important person. Yet, think think of the sheer number of emails that I get every single day, right? I mean, like 99.9% of which are just junk spam emails, but like it takes forever to go through and just delete it and, and get rid of it. And so I was like, okay, if I had 300 or more writers pitching me every single day with actual emails that I'm expected to open and actually do something with, even if I had a team of people helping me, if you get 
behind. I mean, think of how that long that takes to catch up. So, I mean, I'd like to think that my query was good enough to warrant some sort of response. Even if it's like a form rejection, you would probably get something. So the fact that there's been nothing to me says maybe I'm still in the queue. Okay. So there's a few things we have to unpack here. First of all, have you seen what, what this agent says on their website about how long they take to respond? Four weeks is what they say. Okay. So you got to take that seriously because Mm -hmm. different agents have different practices. So some of their practices might be, I read all my queries on one day at the end of every month. Right. So if they say four weeks, that might be what they're doing. Or they might have an assistant who goes through and puts things in different buckets and they do it, you know, every two weeks. Or it might be that they do it when they have a free second, whenever. Right. So you don't know they're the thing that agents are always saying is about about querying is it's not actually their work. So when you think about like what their work is, what they do every day, they're doing things on behalf of their clients. They're having meetings, they're having phone calls, they're looking at contracts, they're negotiating this and that. They're dealing with problems that come up. They're dealing with good things that come up. Like there's all the work of being an agent that has to happen. And querying is not, you know, looking at queries is actually not the work. So most of them, there's this thing that they um, often will talk about that I think is so charming because so, so many agents are in New York and they, they talk about reading on the subway and wanting mm-hmm. to miss their subway stop. And, but when you think about that, they're reading on their way home to work or on their way into work or, you know, what I mean? they're not, mm-hmm. they're not sitting at their desk going through the queries every day. So Um, it's super, super, super easy to think it's personal or it's me or it's my, I did something wrong or my query sucks or my writing sucks or I suck. Um, you know, it's so easy to think all those things, but it is none of those things. It's none of them. It's none of them. And, and there's another piece that happens once if an agent requests material and you send it in and then you're waiting for that there's, there's, it gets even worse because now, you know, they wanted it. It's in, you know, it's in a higher priority bucket, but, and you don't hear and you don't hear and you don't hear and you don't hear. And it's just so easy to think, oh, they're not getting back to me because it's the worst. But, um, every single time I've, I've gotten to a place with a client where they, they think, you know, okay, I'm never hearing from that person again. It's always, this literally happened to a client of mine in 2020. The agent kept saying, sorry, I haven't gotten to it. Like she'd get these emails, just sorry, I haven't got to it. And, you know, the writer was just saying those same, that same story in her head. And then, and then she got an email from the assistant saying, you know, that the agent's father had died, that that's what was going on. And, and that she was not going to really get to it for like two more months. And it was, you know, but that whole time before she'd gotten the explanation, she was just like, oh no, I'm the worst. It's me, right? Her her father died. And, you know, so it, you have to just, 
it's a waiting game. So many pieces of it are waiting and you have to manage that waiting and not not take it on as your own thing. Because it's so not your own thing. I'm really glad that you told me just before we pitched. So I had put a four-week like essentially exclusive look at my query on there. And I had chosen four weeks because that was their typical turnaround for a mm-hmm. query. But you said, you know, they're not taking, she doesn't take a bunch of chapters. Like it's, you're only sending a few words, um, just do two weeks. And so I'm really glad that you said just to do two weeks, because first of all, when two weeks rolls around, my query's not dead in the water. I mean, no. essentially like she still has, you know, however long to keep looking at it's there, it's in her inbox. So it's not, you know, it's not like she might not ever get to it. But I do think that for this next round, instead of just sending out one more, I think I am going to send a group because I have realized this is going to take forever if I do a series. If you did one at a time and you really followed their recommendations for how long to wait, it would could easily take a year. Yeah. It's and just, I just takes a really long time. But you know, I don't think your idea was a bad idea. You you know, you particularly loved this person. Um mm-hmm. now what you can do, the benefit to the batch method, as I call it, is that first of all, I think it's easier to wait when you're when you're waiting for multiple possible things rather than one thing. So that that's like it's psychologically easier, I think. But the other benefit is in a perfect world, if if one let's say you send out a batch of six, now you have seven queries out in the universe. Um, and in a perfect world, if somebody requests the pages and, and so they request the manuscript and then they love it and they say, can we get on the phone and chat? Then you can ping all the others and say, I'm, you know, speaking to, to another agent about representation. Are you interested in my story? So you can kind of nudge, nudge them. That's the only time you can really nudge them and um what what you know you never know what's going to happen sometimes in that situation people will say the timing's just not right I can't do it that fast or we're not that interested or you know whatever but you know I just had somebody do that and she had um three three people interested so she got to then talk to them all and pick and choose about what their vision was for the story and how much did they want to, to change, you know, and all that. So that's, that's one of the benefits of that batch, the batch method. And the reason I say like six is because if you were to send out 30, you kind of then just blow your, all your, what's the, what's the um, metaphor? Um, Blow your whole wad at once. Or like my dad would say that don't blow your whole wad if you're spending all your money. Yeah. Or blow your, all your gunpowder or something like that. So you know, and what, what can happen is um, you can sometimes get really good feedback if depending on the, depending on what happens. So there's multiple things that can happen at this stage. One is you literally never hear from them and that can happen. That, that absolutely happens. And 
most of the time the uh, the agents say on their website what that is going to look like um and you you don't you don't really understand what it means until you're experiencing it the way you are. <laughs> mm-hmm. When they say, if you don't hear from us in four weeks, we're not interested. It's just a giant black hole that you never get a response to. And it's horrible. It feels, it feels worse in some ways, I think, than a rejection, like a form rejection. Because it's, it's just like, they put this thing that I made and that I love into the universe and they didn't even acknowledge it acknowledge it yeah so it's the worst so let's say you were you put out six queries and you heard nothing from anybody i think it would be safe to assume that you're, there's something wrong with your query letter right because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just not that that's that would be weird well you um, have enough to sort of gauge is that the idea like one could just have gotten sucked down into the black hole of never been opened never been read which is something we can talk about here in a second because I realized you told me to do something that I didn't do before I sent that one out and I've been oh. kicking myself in the butt what was that you told me to put boomerang on my email and I didn't oh yeah I did tell you to do that and I had totally forgotten about it because you have to pay for it every month. And I thought, oh, I'll subscribe to it just before I send out my first one. Yeah. And then I forgot. And yeah. so I'm kicking myself because I can't even see if it's been opened. Yeah. So. Um, that's and and that's so for those people who don't know, Boomerang is a app that you integrate with your email and it allows you to to see if somebody is um, opened an email, but it also allows you to schedule, like, do you want to re-ping that person? And you can't, you can't do that with pitching, but it's just kind of a cool tool. It's a super creepy tool. <laughs> because Actually, this, okay. So the one thing about Boomerang and this, this did give me pause. So it did say that there are some read receipts that are embedded into an email that's like a one pixel by one pixel picture so mm-hmm. that once it's opened, that's what pings you back all the information and people don't know it's in there. Mm-hmm. But with Boomerang, it says it actually puts a thing at the bottom where they can click it to opt out. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know would that anger an agent if they saw the read receipt at the bottom because that's gosh I've never seen that can you send me an email I want to see I didn't buy it yet because I was being super cheap and waiting until the very last moment to subscribe oh um I I will I'll get it and we'll test it out if you want yeah because I I don't have it on my computer right now there's I don't don't really have um need for it right now. I've had it at various times and I do like it, but I don't recall. So I, I want to see what it looks like. Um, but I think that they would assume that you just have that in your life that you didn't okay. put on. They're not like what you're talking about right now. It's like, I'm going to buy it in order to do the pitching. They're probably just thinking this it's just on there. It's like totally on top of their email management. System, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think that's overthinking. Okay. I think it's overthinking it. I'll um, take it down a notch then. And, you know, the other thing is to remember that 
there, so there's these super specific requirements on like subject line and what you attach or don't attach and blah, blah, blah. And what's happening on their end is it's being sorted into, into a file, right? Into, it's not just in their inbox there there's, they have a system. So all the queries go over here. And, you know, when they say you must include the word query or, um, you know, whatever, whatever it is they say there, they have some sort of method for funneling that a lot of agents have different emails. Once you get to know them or you're working with them, they give you a different email so that there's like a public email and a private email and all the queries go into the public email. So like there's a system and buckets and whatever, and you know, it's they're they're just going to whip through them. And that's why, um, we pay so much attention to having a great title because, you know, that's a subject line. And if they're whipping through and there's some weird title, you know, they're, they're not going to open it. And it's also why we pay so much attention to those opening lines because of the query, because they're whipping through 300 or 500 or a thousand or whatever it is, or their assistant is doing it. And um, we know, like some of the things we know is that your query is, killer good. It is one of the best fiction queries I've ever seen. I think it's <laughs> killer good. So we we can we can pretty much assume, I think, that you're going to get some sort of response. So um and your opening pages are good too. So you know the thing you don't know because you haven't seen it, but the you know really I would say, I'm just going to take a wild guess and say 87% of the queries that, that an agent, any given agent gets are just wackadoodle and, you know, just like dismiss, 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 because people don't do their homework and people say ridiculous things and they're not professional and they don't follow the rules or they send it to the wrong agent. Agents say that all the time. Like the number one thing is, don't pitch me something I don't represent. And, you know, so someone like you has done all your homework and all the, he's following all the rules. You're, you're like, well, of course, everybody's going to follow those rules. And it's like, they don't, they don't. So your query is going to be, it's going to pass all the the hurdles. We, we know that. We just don't know how long it's going to take. When? So. so let's talk strategy for a minute because I've really been thinking this through, like, what to do next, like the next step, because yeah. I'm sort of operating under the assumption that come Halloween, which I guess is really my two week mark yeah. um, with the first agent, um, that I'm going to be ready. I want to be ready to go ahead and send out the next one or ones. And mm-hmm. so if we looked at my short list, so remember I had Holly McGee on my short list and she only took exclusives. And I looked it up yesterday and it was either four weeks or six weeks. So I guess my question is, do I do hers next and get it out when I'm not really, can I do it? Because number one, someone else still has my query in their inbox. Do I have to wait until Nancy Galt's four weeks is up? Well, no, you have to wait until the two weeks is up because you said in your letter I'm sending this to you on an exclusive basis for two weeks. So what that means is, well, let's do the opposite. 
if you were to send it out, let's say you sent, sent it to Holly today and Holly gets back to you tomorrow and says, I love this. I want to represent this. Now you've put yourself, you've painted yourself into a bad corner because the first agent, you said you promised that she could have an exclusive on it. So if she calls on Monday and says, I want to represent you, now you're, now you've, you're just operating in a really unprofessional place with one or the other agents. So you have to honor what you said and not send anything out for two weeks. Right. But for Holly, who only accepts exclusives, do I have to wait for my, I know I have to wait for the exclusive with Nancy to expire, but if she still has that query in her inbox and I haven't reached the four week period that you assume it's a no. Then you're fine. Okay. So as long as you're out of the exclusive piece. Oh, 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 wait. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Okay. No, you're right. Because if you send it to Holly, who only takes exclusives and in the third week of Nancy having it, um, she says, Oh, I want this. You're in that same box. You're, Mm -hmm. you're in that same box where you can't, um, Yeah. So I think given that situation, you have to wait to send it to Holly for the four weeks to be up. Um, But one thing that you could do, so we're, we're talking today right now at the end coming up on Halloween. And so what you could do is you could pitch a a small batch of of five or six uh, and wait for those to play out and they would probably play out uh by Christmas. early December, right? Yeah. Mid-December. Mm-hmm. And then you could, if you wanted to at that point, if if it was all no's or black hole rejections, which is you never hear, you could then send it out to to Holly and kind of use the holidays, which is not a time you would particularly want to be pitching anyway mm-hmm. to to give it to her um and and let those five, four or six weeks expire i don't think the very first weeks of january are a great time to pitch because everyone's coming back you know it's sort of a, a weird time i do think a lot of people pitch in january um and a lot of i mean frankly um the months after NaNoWriMo tend to be really rough for, for agents because people finish NaNoWriMo think they're ready to pitch and you're just like, really? <laughs> but yeah, that's what happens. And sort of flood, you know, they spend December tweaking it a little bit <laughs> and they send it out. Um, you know, so I think mid, mid-January, end of January is a great time to, to you know, step up again. So I'm kind of liking this strategy and I'll tell you why. So I've got two, three, actually three people that I think I'd really like to pitch in this next round. And then I know I can pull a couple more from my list. Um, Alex Shane's going on the list because I can't tell you how many people have said to me, so you pitched, you pitched. So did you pitch Alex Shane? Or and I'm like, Shane. No, I didn't. <laughs> and I, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I have to, like, I feel like it's just setting the stars that I have to at least like 
give this guy a shot. Um, but I have a, a, a short list that I would like to send this out to. But in the meantime, I've already, I've already outlined my next book and I want it done by February. And so to send out another round of pitches in January would feel good because if anybody did come back and say, I want this, you know, I'll say, great, because I've also already got my second one written. And yeah, that's great. Um, I have a client right now who's pitching her agent has her middle grade novel out on submission right now. And um, they, they devised um, potential series that would come from it that um, with two, two additional books um, and they got that together before the agent went, went out on submission, but it was just, it was just a like book jacket, you know, blurbs. It wasn't, it wasn't all the writing, but I think for that age group, that can be really powerful to have additional titles. So, um, just one thing to be really sure or clear about is if you're going to send out a batch of three, you need to change the query letter. So where it said before, you know, that you're sending this on an exclusive, you say something like, um, I'm sending this to a small group of, of agents okay, so that they know, I mean, it's kind of assumed that that, that that's happening, but I like to put in, small group of agents, because to me, that's a signal. What a lot of writers do, which is a giant mistake, is they send it out to 50 or 100. You know, they've got, they just kind of randomly scattershot, send it out, and they're not customized in any way for the particular agent that, that, you know, the care that you've taken to select these agents, um, that's a signal that, I I chose you, you know, so like a small select group of agents and and you're among them, just a little line. um, Maybe it doesn't matter, but I, I think anything you can do to signal your professionalism, that you've done your homework, that you're, you know, you're following the rules, you get the game, like all those things I think really can matter because, you know, it's, the agents want to work with the professional and they're showing that. So I, I would add that line um, to it. And I think three is, is awesome. Um, and then I know you have a spreadsheet. So do you have, <laughs> um, do you know how long they say that they will take? Um, two of them, I think said four weeks and one said six weeks. Okay, so then if we if you do that by um when's the four weeks for oh you don't have to you only have to wait the two weeks. So at yeah, the end so October. Week. Right. So the end of October, so then six weeks from then would be mid December, right? Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. And and then you may well hear from somebody in that period of time. I mean you you know, my phrase that I always say is you could hear in 30 seconds or never. And, and that's just true. So, um, I think, I think using the waiting energy to write is the absolute best possible strategy because what it's kind of telling your own self is this book is going to go out in the world, no matter what, no matter how 
I'm, I'm, this is my new thing that I do. I'm a writer. I make books and I'm going to turn to the next book. And you know, the, that is also saying to yourself that the agents and the publishers and all of these steps, which you're trying to secure are, they're just tools for getting the book into readers' hands. And there's other tools that can help you get a book into readers' hands. This is just one set of tools, right? So it's, it's not a referendum on whether this book gets to be in the world or not. It's just, is it going to go this path and is it go this path right now? Um, Abby, I had two, no, two, yes, two writers this year in 2020 who sold books that they wrote three years ago. Like, mm-hmm. it's just crazy. Like, you never know. You just never know how long it's going to take. So the, you know, turning to the writing, which is the thing you love and the thing you want, I think is just the best response to the waiting. You know, talking about putting a book in readers' hands, it's so funny you say that because this morning I had this this really weird thought, and I think you're going to appreciate this, and this is probably a perfect place to end the episode too, but the next book I keep saying, it's a cross between Pippi Longstocking and Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> and so, and I've just loved that. Well, I woke up this morning and I thought, okay, so I've seen Eddie Murphy's Dr. Doolittle movie, right? And I've seen the one with um, Robert Downey Jr. that came out recently, but I was like, I don't know that I've ever read Dr. Doolittle. So like, can I really tout that my next book is going to be like a cross between something and Dr. Doolittle if I've never read Dr. Doolittle? So I, I got up this morning. It's like, because I think it's in the public domain now, it was like free on Kindle Unlimited. So I, I pulled it up. I started reading and all I could think of was, you know what? A hundred years ago or whenever this book was written, because it's pretty old. I was like, I think he wrote this book for me. Oh, and I got all choked up reading it because I was like, oh my God, I identify with everything in this book. So a hundred years ago, this man wrote a book just for me. And now I get to write one for someone a hundred years from now. That's beautiful. So that is where we can end it. As I, <laughs> I always cry on mom rights. Why do I always cry? Because it's intense and you're sharing it in public, which is generous and beautiful. Um, so yes, you can, you will write your book for someone a hundred years from now who is never going to know you and who's going to feel that connection and that love. And that's what changes people's lives. You know, books, books do that. It's, it's powerful, beautiful stuff. And don't, you know, don't let the process of using the tools sway you from that. You, you're a writer. You get to be a writer. You've written a beautiful thing. That's all going to happen. So um, I love it. Are you going to do an inside outline or does that tool not work for you? I already did my inside outline. <laughs> it was the first thing I did. I opened up Trivner, Scrivener. You know, I have trouble with that word. I opened up that program. <laughs> And I did the the note cards. I'm using the program differently. I I did um, each of the little note cards. I made a scene. This one, I think, is going to be for a little bit younger reading level. I want to shoot for 20 to 30,000 words tops. Yeah. Um, 
And so I did, I ended up, it was 17 cards. And I think I'm going to change the point of view for every other one. And I'm going to write from the point of view of um, the little girl. Her name's Alabama, because it's fun to say Alabama. <gasps> and then the villain, uh, who is the, the woman who runs the boarding school that doesn't like that she's, she's on her own because her father's at sea, you know, very much like Pippi Longstocking. And so we're going to go back and forth. And the, the villain in the story is a bit like a cross between like Cruella de Vil, Miss Hannigan from Annie, um, Madame Tremaine from Cinderella, all of those, you know, women. And she's got goons because the villains always got to have goons, right? <laughs> and so their Great names word. are Fester and Boyle is what I'm going to name. And she can't keep them straight. She always gets them mixed up. And so I just think it's going to be really fun. And I'm going to write somebody that hopefully you love to hate. And so, you know, I think the dual, dual point of view will be interesting and fun and a challenge and something different. And so I love it. And do you have somebody you can share that inside outline with like, a, um, are you, you're in your writer group or your co a coach or somebody? Actually, I asked um, Lydia Hillier if she wanted to, to look at that for me, because I think for this one, I want somebody to look at the outline. I want the outline to be watertight. Yeah. And then, I mean, for only talking 20,000 words, I think I can kick that out in six weeks. Yeah. And then, and then I want somebody to look at that part again and walk me through revising it. Um, nice. But I think I can, I think I can kick it out in six weeks. That's what I've told myself. So. Nice. Well, it's the best anecdote, anecdote, antidote. Writers. <laughs> <laughs> Just words. I know. To waiting. Um, all right. Well, I am waiting with you and all your fans are waiting with you. So you will keep waiting. You will keep writing. That's what we do. We wait and we write and um, do things to build your social media connections so that when your book comes out, you have people to read it. Wait. You're doing that. So, yay. Well, thank you. All right. We have a solid strategy.